0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. Thank you for your presence here in this house of worship this evening. I want to, if the Lord will allow us this evening to break bread together, I want to focus on the third part of a series that I have been prompted by God to, to share, I believe it be the Lord, on preparing for promotion. And this tonight, I'm going to share some things with you about what it cost me to get promoted. And there will always be a cost to your promotion. It doesn't all come to you handed on a platter. Sister Naomi Burke used to tell us in the ministry when she would teach, she would say that it's not all fried chicken. And she was trying to tell us that there will be lean times as well as fat times. And when you're in the Lord's work and you're serving as a Christian and as a leader, or wherever God has placed you, you will have to pay a price. There's a price to be paid. And usually you will find out pretty quickly who is willing to pay the price. Don't shout me down yet. Amen. In the past few Wednesdays, we've been focusing our attention on preparing for promotion. And when I spoke last on this subject, we talked about Elisha's deathbed experience and his instructions that he gave to King Jehoash while he was on his deathbed. We don't usually focus on the death of a, of the prophet. We are more focused on the double miracles that he performed. We're more focused on somebody's dead bones touching his dead bones and coming back to life. We're, we're focused on things like that because that sells books. That packs out conferences. But when you begin to see Elisha's instructions from his deathbed to a king that he saw potential in he saw two things write these down he saw potential and preparation and I would just prophesy this over you even if you don't want to receive it you it's too late I already prophesied it that these two things are vital for you in your walk with God potential and preparation I shared with you that your promise won't look anything like your preparation. You know, when God promised you, you were laying on your bed as a child, and the Lord said, "Yea, I say unto you, and you was like, (laughs) and you were receiving it from the Lord, and then he took you into the wilderness, and you were like, this don't look nothing like that dream I had when I was standing in a sea of people and I had a mic. this don't look like my Grammy party for my album. So, your promise won't look like your preparation. I wish I could just drive that home. We could could save a whole lot of people right here if this could get a hold of us. And then I said that many times your calling won't look anything like your preparation. Because We live in a time of Instagram and followers and highlight reels, and we see people doing grandiose things in the ministry, and we think that if we're not doing that on that level, then we're really not doing anything at all. So when they have me booked in the little village or in the parking lot, and it's cold out because I live in Indiana, and it's 70 degrees yesterday, 40 degrees today, it don't look nothing like my calling when they had me hold that sign and I got that fake smile. <laughs> my calling won't always look like my preparation. Come on. Because God will prepare me in areas that I don't think apply. And so that's why you can't quit during preparation. Say, I can't quit. I then shared with you that you must trust the teacher. (laughs) But what if I don't like the pastor? I mean the teacher. What if I don't like the persons that God has assigned to my life to pour oil and sometimes to use sandpaper on me? What if I don't like them? Well, in the military, it is said that a good soldier can receive orders and instructions from any commander. Now, I would dare say, even if you haven't served in the United States Armed Forces, you now serve in the army of the Lord. (laughs) And in his service, there are no double agents, and there are no secret agents who hide, drop their towel at... The restaurant and pray under the table as they're on their way back up. Don't want nobody to know that I'm a Christian. So when God uses people to pour into your life and to instruct you, you don't get to choose which order you will obey and which one you will defy. And tonight we want to continue because I am determined to, to get some of you for sure, some of you for sure, some of you for sure, but all of you that will. Some of you for sure, but all of you that will, I'm determined to get you to your promise. Now, to do that, In the last 25 years of pastoral ministry, not including the years of preparation as a preacher's kid and coming under and serving and still serving my leaders. In all of that preparation to do what God has assigned on my life to do, which if I could have said no to God, I would have. It has cost me. It has cost me relationships. It has cost me parishioners. It has cost me time, sleep, sweat, blood, tears. It, is, it costs cost me hurt and wounds and frustration. But I am yet determined to see this thing through. God help me. I will see sons and daughters come to maturity. God help me, I will see disciples come to maturity. God help me, I will see folk come to maturity. God help me, we will bring people to Jesus and membership in his family. And develop them to Christ like maturity and equip them for their ministry in the church and life mission in the world in order to magnify God's name. Somebody say, God, help me. The flower fades and the grass withers, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Turn with me now to Exodus chapter 14. What I share with you tonight will strengthen you. Who's ready for some strength? In Exodus chapter 14, verse 9 through 11, the Egyptians pursued the Israelites. Pharaoh's army, including all his horse-drawn chariots and cavalry, caught up with them as they were setting up their camp at the sea of Pihiroth, facing north. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians were coming after them. Terrified, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, did you bring us out into the desert to die because there were no graves in Egypt? Look what you've done by bringing us out of Egypt. (laughs) Write this down, if you will. Purpose is not always visible. Problems are visible. Purpose is not always visible. The problem is Pharaoh is chasing me. That's the problem. The problem is, if he gets me back, he will kill me. The problem is, I have left who I used to be to become who I want to be. And my past is chasing me. Mm. But the purpose is in the chase. I won't say that again. The purpose is in the chase. Mm. Think about that. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want you to get all of that right now. I want you to can it. I want you to pressure cook it, I want you to preserve it and hide it away in your spider-infested cellar because there's going to come a day that you're going to understand that there was purpose in the chase. Mm. That's why I say that there is purpose in your pain. That's why I say there is purpose in your problems. There is purpose in your storm, what you're facing right now. You're looking at what happened, but God is looking at why it happened. You're talking about what happened to you, but God is talking about why it happened to you. Can I preach to the real saints? Can I tell you that you will never be able to praise him about the what until you can look at the why. I didn't understand when the doctor told me I had cancer in my stomach. I had some people that hoped I'd die. They wouldn't say it because that would reveal their heart. Uh But I had a whole other group that said God going to use this test as a testimony. <laughs> so I didn't understand the what until I looked at the why. Oh, hallelujah. I don't like what happened, but I do trust why it happened because even though I don't like what happened, the Bible said that all things work together for the good of them that love. God, who are called according to his, Mm. oh, come on, somebody, that there is purpose behind everything that you're going through in your life, and then when you understand that what I went through brought me revelation, and revelation comes in retrospect. That's why that you could say hindsight is twenty twenty. Can I talk to you tonight? Can we go deeper tonight? You have to understand the why so that you can process the what. And when you can get a handle on the why, the what won't matter. Mm. The why is always greater than the what. Hallelujah. These were runaway slaves. Even if they outran Pharaoh, they would always be runaway slaves looking over their shoulder, wondering when they're going to get caught, wondering if they were going to be picked off in the middle of the night. Because as long as Pharaoh was chasing them, they would always be slaves. I'll come to preach tonight to this body of believers. Even though we are no longer being oppressed as long as the oppressor still lives, the potential to be oppressed remains, which in itself is oppression. Come on, somebody. I don't have to be a slave in bondage to still be a slave to fear. So I'm delivered out of the bondage, but I'm still bound by the fear that maybe he'll get me back. Mm. My question tonight is, I wonder how many people watching and in this room are living with the fear of maybe you're going to get paid back for all the wild oats you sowed. And because we live in the time of me and 23, or 23 and me, you find out that you got a brother that you didn't know about. You got sisters you didn't know about. Sometimes it'll just all come out of the closet. Come on, somebody. And there are certain people living in fear that what happened in the past is going to come back. I wonder how many people, don't raise your hand, are living in that fear. I wonder how many people are afraid to be happy because they have never been able to sustain happiness in their life. So I might as well not even set myself up to be happy because it probably won't last like it never has in the past. I wonder what I, is how many people in this room or are afraid to love again because it might go bad and there's a risk that you have to take. It's quiet now. I wonder how many people here are afraid to try because you might fail. You see, as long as Pharaoh lives to chase you, you will always be a slave. Even if you outrun him, there's the thought that he might catch me five years from now. There's the thought that he might catch up with me when I least expect it. So even though I'm not presently baking bricks in Pharaoh's brickyard, I'm still a slave to fear. I'm preaching to somebody. You will never be free to be your highest and best self because your oppressor is always approaching. There's a fear that the oppressor will catch you. Well, any day now, something bad's going to happen. Any day now, I'm going to have to deal with this or that. I'm going to have to contend. The devil told me that he was going to bring that addiction back on me and back into my life, and I'm going to end up just like everybody cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs in my family who have succumbed to generational curses and generational bondages, Teach Holy Ghost. And so I might as well not get too comfortable because I already know that the older people in my family all died premature. So I don't really know how long I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm preaching to somebody here. The devil told me that He was going to try to put that addiction right back in my life. Or the devil tried to tell you that he was going to bring that compulsive behavior right back on you. And you would never ever be free till the live long day. You would have to contend with this dark shadow of a hover that has lingered over your family through anxiety. I'm, I'm talking to somebody. You put on a big smile here, but you are tore up inside and don't know how to handle and deal and be able to balance, and if you're not careful, you watch too much of the news to tell you how to handle it. You ever seen somebody try to dominate somebody and tell them you're never gonna get free? Oh, When a man says you'll always be my woman, I don't care where you go, I don't care where you hide, you belong to me. And that woman lives in the fear behind every corner and around every bend that sometimes the oppressor, even though they're not living with the oppressor, They are still a bondage. I'm preaching to somebody. You still a bondage to what you came out of. You still a bondage. Oh, some memories are coming back to people right now. Can I share this with you? And I want you to write this down. Living with the threat is not living at all. So God takes the children of Israel through the water. Oh, hold on now. God says, your oppressor is coming. So I'm going to do something odd. I'm going to take you through the water. They were saved through the water because the oppressor chased them to the water. (laughs) They were saved through the water because the oppressor chased them to the water. You got to know the why before you can understand your what. Everything that was God's came out of the water. Mm. Everything that was not of God drowned in the water. So I don't even have to complain about the water because if God took me to it, he can bring me through it. Everything that is of him will come out of it. But anything that is not of him will drown in the water and there are some things that god takes us through just so he can destroy just so he can destroy just so he can destroy the very thing that has been lingering in the background and oppressing your sleep and oppressing your nerve endings and oppressing your thought there are some things that god takes you through just so he can destroy what's been chasing you. I feel holy ghost in this place. I don't have to fear the water because God took me to it so he could destroy what was chasing me. I didn't think I could survive it, but if I can, God can bring me through it and stop my enemy and swallow them up and I'll never see them again write this down you can't tell whether it's of God or not till you come out of the water well if the Lord really loved me he wouldn't allow this thing to come on me you don't know if it's God or not until you come out of the water when it's not on you anymore. <laughs> woo! somebody shake yourself. When, it, when it's not on me anymore. I came out of the water, and it's off of me now. <laughs> it got off of me. It got off of me. It got off of me. I went through the test, but it got off of me. I went through the death and I went through the burial and I I came through the resurrection to tell you that I now know what is of God and what is not of God because what was of God got me through it but what was not of God got drowned in the process of it and now I can flat footed tell you that God is with me in the storm he is with me in the fire he is with me in the flood he is with me in the face of conflict he is with me through the high and the low and I know that I know that I know that it was of God because when I came out it wasn't on me anymore. God healed me and God delivered me and freed me from it. Go with me to the New Testament. I'm supposed to be teaching. Go with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter six and verse seven. He that is dead is freed from sin. (laughs) Any dead people here? I'm not gonna teach theology tonight. I'm not gonna try to persuade you about formula the Trinitarians, the Jesus-onlys, and the conflicts of everybody trying to approve each other. The Bible said, he that is dead. And you're not quite dead if you're still arguing with both. <laughs> I'm offended, Pastor. Good, it's working. Because the Bible said, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Ooh, it's so quiet in here. We could pinch a mouse and hear the mouse squeal. He that is dead is freed from what? So I can't be free from sin till I am dead. You and I know that the death we're talking about is not your natural death. hmm It is your carnal death so that you could pass through the waters of baptism and rise up in resurrection life. So when Paul takes me to Romans chapter 6, we're going somewhere, and he tells me in verse 7, he that is dead is freed from sin. He is actually teaching about baptism. I don't have time to break all of it down. But he's saying that if we are buried with him in the likeness of his death, (laughs) that we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Why did it get so quiet? Can I say that again? Paul said that if we are buried with Jesus in the likeness, everybody say likeness, of his death, then we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection so that the debt is paid by death, burial, and resurrection. Pharaoh Was really chasing them because he thought he owned them. The oppressor thought he owned the oppressed. But when you have a taste of freedom, you begin to lose. The grip of the oppressor and their ways and their fangs and their words and their manipulations. Hey, when you begin to lose that oppression off of you because you have now tasted the taste of freedom. You can testify that you know what it was like to die the death, be buried underneath, only to come out with resurrection life again and be able to stand in this sanctuary and to prove the devil was a lie and the enemy thought he had me but the enemy should have killed me when he had the chance. But now I've stepped into revelation, and revelation is always retrospect that now I can look back and see it wasn't the what it was the why that God was bringing me into freedom so I could free somebody don't get hung up on this that and the other don't get hung up on YouTube theologians don't get hung up on the church that said this the way we always done it I say go a little deeper in him and allow God to bring revelation and truth to you you shall know the the truth and the truth shall make you free. I was buried with him in the likeness of his death so that I could also be raised with him in the likeness of his resurrection. I had to pass through the death and the burial and the resurrection and let me tell you when you come out in the resurrection you can now testify Pharaoh don't own me anymore but God told Pharaoh through Moses Israel is my son I have time to give you all chapters and verse on this you should already know this don't hate on me it's in there God said to Pharaoh through Moses, the man of God, Israel is my son. And he didn't just say Israel was his son. Research it. He said, Israel is my firstborn son. Don't you love the added emphasis? Woo! When God begins to teach. Israel, in fact... In fact, he said, I'll tell you what, I will show you it's my firstborn son. I will show you, Pharaoh, that Israel is not only my son, but Israel be my firstborn son. And he says, I'll kill your firstborn son, until you let my son go. Isn't that what he said? And so we usher in now the night of the Passover. That's why God went from house to house letting the angel of death take the firstborn sons of Egypt because he was saying... I'm going to show you what it's like to lose a son. He says, behold, Israel is my son. Israel is my firstborn son. Write this down. God says Israel is my son, while Pharaoh says Israel is my slave. God said, no, Israel is my son. Pharaoh says, no, Israel is my slave. I paid for him. God said, no, Israel is my son. Pharaoh said, I'm going after my slave. God said, then I'm going to deliver my son. We understand that they are talking about the same person. (laughs) Do you know that same discussion is being had about you? Where God said, no, Ricky is my son. And Satan said, no, Ricky is my slave. I paid for him. God said, no, Ricky is my son. Pharaoh said, no, Ricky is my slave. And God said, then I will deliver my Ricky. I will deliver my son the discussion that Pharaoh had with God through Moses is the same discussion that is being said about you. And I come to tell you that whatever is chasing you, the enemy has said he's my slave. I won't let go of him. I've got my clutches on him too deep. I've spent generations lurking in their family with perversion. I spent generations Haunting their past And reliving murderous thoughts I spent generations Keeping them institutionalized And controlled by the government's thinking I spent generations Manipulating their mind to Thinking that there's a race war In everybody Oh, nobody want to help me here You understand This is the enemy's job To steal, to kill And destroy He's my slave And God said, no, they're my son. Stop thinking like a slave. You're a son of God. So a slave goes down in the water, but a son comes out. See, that's what happens. So now, you former slaves are transforming into sonship. And this is the place that we like to call transformation, where I learn to think differently. I told you, I can't help everybody that comes here, but I will help some be transformed in their mind. There's some people that attend here, they're still doing the same thing they've been doing 10 years ago. And it's gotten worse. But in the place of transformation, this is where I think differently. This is where I learn how to live differently. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is where I learn how to give differently. This is where I learn how to love differently. This is the place where I start acting like a son and stop living like a slave with the worry of oppressing behind me, wondering if they're gonna catch me. Oh, come on. This is the place where you are transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and that perfect will of God. You'll never walk into your good and into your acceptable and into your perfect will of God until you go from the thinking of a slave to the thinking of a son. i am I talking to? You go to bed at night worried over this and worried over that. Come out! of the water as a sun and come out into freedom and declare I know who I am. God let the enemy chase me into it so he could destroy something behind me so that I could come out and be who God always wanted me to be. High five somebody and say, be who God called you to be. You went in as a slave, but you came out As a son, which is transformation, which reality are you going to live in? What you were or what you are? This is where the battles fought. Why is it when people demand you be what you are, we have this tendency to refer to them what we were? Well, you know I didn't have a father. Well, you know I come from a broken home. Come on, I'm not making fun of nobody. Well, you know I grew up in the hood, and it wasn't Hollywood hood. <laughs> and you know my mom left me when I was seven. No, wait, 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 wait. wait. We all left the water. We not only left the water, we left all that in. I'm going to try that again. We not only left the water, we left all that in the water. We left all that in the water. This is the place where it stops. Touch somebody and say it stops right now. It stops right now. I don't know whatever your it is because every one of us in this room have a different it, but I challenge you to say it stops right now now I will not keep speaking death over me I will not speak less than over me I will not live a defeated life I will not live always suspicious I will not live with an inferior complex I will not live that everybody owes me for what I had to go through I left that in the water I came out God brought me now into the this place, so it had to stop right now. I'm trying to close this. The reason that there was a red sea is because God said this will be a good drowning place. Well, sometimes, sometimes God. Will allow you to get into trouble. Because trouble can be a good drowning place. This is the place. This is the place. It stops right now. This is my last joint. This is my last drink. This is my last extra girlfriend. This is my last extra boyfriend. You ain't gonna talk to me tonight. No, this is the place. I know I was weak Last week. I know I was weak the day before, but this is the place because there are some things that won't you go through it when somebody tries to treat you like they used to treat you you will say no, 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 no. I wanna take you to the place. I'll take you to the place called termination. I'll take you to the place called identification. Oh, I come to tell you God gave you a new identity. You better come to the piano. Brother Roberts, they didn't die. They just acted like they did. But when you are buried in the likeness, like they did. I was buried in the likeness of his death. So that I could be raised in the. I hope I can unpack this. Isn't that what we do at baptism? We don't really die. But we identify. With the death. The burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the baptism pool becomes a place of identification. I knew what I was prior to the Red Sea. I was always baking bricks, always had a sunburn, white light people trying to get dark. Dark people trying to get light. I was in the Dominican Republic this past week, lathered up with sunscreen. I said, that devil of a sunburn ain't going to get me. I saw other people, white people, putting on Crisco. No, no. Trying to get burnt up. But I know what it's like before the Red Sea, to have the blisters of yesterday, to have the redness of sorrow, to have the history of my ancestors when 400 of them went down into Egypt and it would God would use Moses to take a multitude out of there. And I know what it's like to be raised on the diet of an Egyptian. I know what it's like to not have any hot sauce for my eggs. I know what it's like to have to live with the leeks and the garlic until I start claiming it as my own family recipe. Oh, but God said, you gonna leave that in the water because the time I take you through the water it'll be like you had died like you had died so that you can have a new identity and in the likeness of his resurrection you will know who you really are stand if you will say this with me I identify I didn't die but it was like I did in his likeness, I didn't die, but it was like I did. So when I'm baptized, it is like I died. He that is dead is freed from sin. I come to tell you tonight, you don't owe your addiction anything. You don't owe Your past, nothing. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to feel guilty about it. And true to God's word, you don't have to serve it. If you allow what happened to you to control where you are, then you have incarcerated your own self. When we used to baptize people, they'd come up out of the water shouting, speaking in tongues, water slinging everywhere, buck shouting, getting everybody wet around them, going cray-cray in the water. When we used to baptize people, they'd fall out. You'd lose them in the water. They try to pull you down, too, with them. And I used to think, well, that's pretty awesome. But I now think to myself, I wonder if sometimes they were shouting because of what they left in the water. Because this is not only the place of identification. It is a place of renewed foundation. This is the place that will be the point of reference for the rest of your experience with God. You will always refer back to this one thing. You will always go back to this one thing this is the place where God renewed me. This is the place where God delivered me. This is the place where God said I'm giving you a new identity. They had a nickname for you in the hood. But when you came up out of the water of baptism oh let me preach to somebody it was like I died. But it was also like I lived. God was teaching me. I've given you a new identity. And there are some things that God has proven in your life. I come to tell you. I don't care who comes up and tells you anything or who says you need to go watch this YouTube video or dwell upon this new philosophy or you have studied such and such and you believe in astrology and all that kind of nothing, nothing, nothing. Because I know, I also know in 1978 I had an encounter with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that has been the foundation of my life. Do you have a foundation? God will make sure you have a foundation. Because whenever your faith shakes, God will allow you to get into a predicament that only He can get you out of. And then when he gets you out of it, it proves to you once again, he never left me through every mountain. He brought me over. Give me five seconds here. I close on this one. It's the place of debt cancellation. I see all you getting your pens and papers back out. It's the place of debt cancellation. This is for somebody tonight. This is why I'm gonna go on and give you the rest of it. Before they left, the night before they left Egypt, God told the Hebrews to borrow all the gold and the silver from the Egyptians. They borrowed so much, the Bible said that they could not carry it all out, Brother Todd. Couldn't carry it all out. And the Bible says that even their children were bent over carrying out the gold and the silver that the Egyptians gave them to leave. They borrowed so much. In fact, I really believe that Pharaoh wasn't chasing them for, because they were his slaves. <laughs> no, you got to understand they had so much gold. They had so much silver. <laughs> I got a gold tooth back here. Eliana always wanted to see my gold tooth. So she spent today staring in my mouth (laughs) wanting to know what it was. They borrowed so much gold. They asked for the grills in the Egyptians' mouth. (laughs) Come on somebody, talk to me. They had so much gold (laughs) and so much silver that when Moses got ready to build stuff, he had to finally tell him to stop giving. Oh, I would to God that Bethel would reach a place that we might even have to say give in another direction. I'm not gonna tell you that. (laughs) Every staff member in this place, an old paid staff, is a beneficiary of your generosity to allow us to serve the ministry. And so if you don't give, you're not just robbing from this church, you're robbing God. Mm, Think about it. They had so much gold and silver that he told them, don't give so much on this project. Let me tell you where they got it from. It was the wealth of the unjust. I'm prophesying to somebody. It was the wealth of the unjust. Some of you in here, you say, well, I don't know if I like that kind of food. Let it digest. What God did was he transferred the wealth from the wicked into the hands of the righteous. And God paid them back. God paid them back for their years of slavery. I'm talking about generational wealth, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's why they couldn't outrun Pharaoh. They were carrying too much gold and too much silver. God had to deliver them. God had to bring them through. God had to establish a new identity. No longer a slave, but a child of the king. With the wealth transferred from the wicked, cash-happed to the righteous, that on the other side of the sea, we will build, and we will build greatly. I come to tell you, don't question your what look at your why and say it was all worth it I came through the waters so that in his likeness I would die so that in his likeness I would live there is preparation for the promotion you'll never get to where God called you until you pass through the water of death so that you may yet live Father in this room we have come tonight to digest the word to prepare ourselves for promotion and i sense in my spirit right now god that you are sending transfers Uh, you are sending opportunities get ready to receive a transfer some of us will receive it tonight quickly i sense in the word of the lord tonight for someone that not only will God transfer you opportunity, but I hear the word favor, that there will be a favor placed right in your hand. Favor will be placed upon your hand. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I believe eyes have not seen and ears have not heard neither hath it entered into your heart what god has prepared for you that god's not only going to bless you he's going to bless your children's children and they're going to be bent over with the gold and the silver and just release Praise and faith into the atmosphere. Something in this word triggered your heart. Something in the spirit triggered your spirit right there. You're going to leave it in the water. It was like you died, but it was like you begin to live. I want every person tonight that's passing through the water to come stand in the front I'm passing through it pastor (laughs) if you're passing through it come now stand in the front the oppressor is hot on my heels it's been six months of sobriety but the oppressor is on my heels pastor God. I can't get rid of these pills. I'm hooked on these, this medication. There's a fear lingering behind me if I don't have it. If I lose my check, Pastor, Ooh. Your check is not your identity. Huh. You're passing through the water. The oppressor's hot on your heels. The relationship you're in is in trouble there's a fear it won't work out because that's been the history of the people you are identified with but you're gonna leave it tonight in the water hallelujah And it's going to be like you died. It's going to be like you died. But it's also going to be like you lived. Because when you come out of that water, the why will outweigh the what the why will outweigh the wine and I'm walking into my identity not who the world says I am but who my father said I am who redeemed me from the curse of sin and death I had to go through the death and the burial to come out to see the resurrection. Whoo, yay. I'm going to leave it all in the water. My God, I feel this for somebody tonight. I'm going to leave it all in the water. And when I come out, I'm coming out in the likeness of resurrection. (laughs) In the likeness of identity. Who he says that I am. And my why will outlive my what In the... thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center